0: Welcome to the Amputee Show podcast. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today is fellow double amputee, adaptive golfer and pair-long driver, paracanoe canoe and Canadian record holder for pair-lifting, Edward Urquhart. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Thank you. Welcome. Th- thanks for having me. Great. Now, we've got a long list of resume for us, So I want to get this started as, as much as we can. Now, your story has been shared a lot with the news outlets here in Canada. But take us back to that time. You know, what happened that July in 2016? Where were you? What were you doing? What was sort of happening that day? Uh, July, July 2016,
1: it, it started out like um, every, uh, any other Friday. I, uh, you know, wake up, eat breakfast, do my, you know, my, my outside chores, cut the lawn Take it. I took a trip down to the you know the local hardware store, browse the shelves, you know, waste time, <laughs> and of then uh, yeah, we just I, I you know hooked up with a couple buddies that were um you know wanting to, to go for a ride and 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 we took a took a ride down to southern Ontario.
0: Now, when you say ride, cars or motorcycles?
1: Yeah, at the time I was I was riding a motorcycle, a, a six hundred uh, sport bike. So we went to an event, it's, a, it's like a test to an event where you can, it's, it's, it's supposed to be the safest way to, to operate your, your motor vehicle, whether it's um, you know, a project car that you've been building, or uh, you know, your favorite motorcycle, anything that can go on the road, you can take it there either by road or on a trailer, and you can test it on a closed circuit. So we just took a a leisure, a leisure ride, like on the back roads to, uh, it's just south of Hamilton. So Mm -hmm. I'm going from the Durham area to to Hamilton. And, um, and then when you, when you arrive, you go through safety checks to make sure you're, you, you're wearing the proper gear Mm -hmm. and, you know, make sure that your tires are up to spec and your vehicle is not going to fall apart while you're, um, riding on this closed circuit. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that's, that was the plan and, uh, we got down there and we were, we were having a blast. We were just, you know, doing it what, what I thought was the right way. And I still think is the, is the right way because there, you know, there's too many people are, that use public roads as, as, a you know, a means for, uh, you know, a little bit of an excitement. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we were, we were almost through and I think we, we kind of huddled up and we decided, okay, this is going to be, um, our last run, you know, down the circuit and, uh, you know, because, you know, it was starting to get pretty busy and we, you know, we were tired of waiting. So we, we decided, okay, this is going to be our last run. And, um, it was kind of just the perfect storm, uh, scenario where within seconds, like the sun was starting to go down. And, you know, it got really cool, like the air temperature got really cool and wind started to pick up. And, um, yeah, I was just going, I was just going down, the, going down the circuit and, uh, just lost control and, and ended up getting into a speed wobble and hit a wall. Um, I lost my right leg on impact. Like I basically hit what what you would see, like a highway median. Right. And that, and that sheared my, my right leg off instantly and um i was kind of catapulted about 50 feet off off the circuit into like brush pile and flying through the air like feet forward basically uh on impact my left leg was was taken off uh just because of the the
0: high rate of speed so let's then go from so they obviously were able to get to you Yes. So, um, were you air ambulance somewhere, or what was?
1: Yeah. So the, I mean, another positive of being at a closed circuit, uh, event is you don't really you don't have to wait for EMS because they are on they are on scene. So EMS came up on uh, came up to me. They kind of you know looked down and they and I I told them right away because I was still conscious. Um, I was fortunate to not hit my head. And, uh, and I, I, I just kind of told him, Hey, my, my leg is gone. And you know, like my other leg was kind of, it was going the wrong way, but right beside me. Right. Um, so I was, uh, uh, immediately put into an ambulance and I think they were radio ahead to find a safe, safe landing zone for air orange to pick me up. So right. they, had, they drove pay maybe 20 minutes so they could get it to a field to get me to, uh, Air Orange who who transported me to a trauma hospital in in Hamilton.
0: Okay. And so then did they, they try to reattach your your legs at the hospital for sort of saving the limb, or did they say were you aware of all of those decisions at the same time too? Because you said you were still conscious when you hit so, I, the
1: I ground, conscious, so I was conscious until, uh, until I was conscious until until I arrived at the hospital. So I remember the ambulance. I remember the the helicopter uh, ride. I think by the time I got to, by the time I got to the hospital, they, they had put me out. So I wasn't conscious of these decisions. I learned about them after the fact, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, they, they spent about, I would say four days trying to check the circulation and, right. you know, make a decision as to how they could, op- uh, allow this leg to operate for me. um, you know the expertise of the doctors and you know great decision making by my family like we they were more concerned about uh, infection later on in life, right, so the best decision was to uh amputate um, both sides and clean it up and and you know just make it as 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 clean as possible to uh, wear prosthetics
0: right. No, I mean, and you've got, like I said, you know, historically in the media, your story has been shared out there as well. And your recovery was actually quite shared a lot because you were the first person to play in a regular golf course. Can you tell us that story and, and maybe go through the recovery process in, for you to get there? Because I want to get to your sports and I want to get to golf yeah. where well, you and I know each other. Yeah. So. Get us there <laughs> with your recovery story. Okay. and then, so uh, getting us to golf.
1: Yeah, recovery for me. I I I've grown up in the gym. I've grown up in sport. So I didn't I, I didn't need you know someone to uh, give me the you know teach me the mindset of how to how to wake up and be motivated to, to get better. It was something that I had i I'd grown up doing already. So I was excited to be in the gym. I, you know, I, I heard and seen a little bit about how prosthetics prior to my accident, I I'd known a little bit about how prosthetics work and, you know, I've seen just guys on the internet and guys in person, um, doing remarkable things, uh, as adaptive athletes. So, you know, those were things that I wanted to do and I, that I know that I could do. So, it was just it was just a matter of being patient and letting the body heal
0: and so was the first sport you went back into was golf
1: yes my so there was two things that that i was you know concerned about while, while i was recovering and which i know are like they're everyday tasks for some people but i i was like if i can do these two things um, then life is not that bad Right. Uh, one of the, One of them was swing a golf club because I love I love being outside and I love playing out like sports outdoors. And mm. the second the second one is was uh, driving a manual car. <laughs> so wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I I am uh, a big time. If it's got a motor and it runs, like I'm I'm all over. I love cars. I love bikes. I love boats. I love everything to do with right. automotive. You know. So, I was like, if I can drive a manual, because I'm, I'm just super passionate about, you know, cars and, 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 and sports. So, if I can drive a manual and I can swing a golf club, you know, there's You're still, there's, yeah, I'm good. There's still, there's still a ton, to, ton of things I can do.
0: Right. And you do tons of things. You, oh, we yes. started with golf.
1: Um, started with and golf. we'll get
0: into each, every single one yeah. of them. So, I wanted to go back to that first golf game because that was sort of your biggest I guess what you would say is sort of here's Eddie back on on the, the stage. You got a lot of coverage as, again, the only pair golfer in that event in, in that golf tournament?
1: Yes. This was the – so I, West Park uh, Rehabilitation Hospital was, I guess, deciding to, that they were going to uh, build a new hospital. So they, they had started a – the West Park Foundation had started a charity golf tournament mm-hmm. and I, that was the first year for the charity golf tournament where mm-hmm. um yeah and i was able to participate and, and play and contribute and um yeah i mean that day I, I, golf is hard enough as it is but when you have right. you know a bunch of cameras and media filming you and and taking pictures it only adds another uh <laughs> mental
0: aspect to the game <laughs> Right, so. right. You you're you just had to perform really yes. well that day. I, I, yeah. I know the feeling when when your first one teeing off and the cameras are on you and you're like Oh, oh, oh yeah. now I gotta yeah. make this <laughs> a good swing and a good drive so that they've yes. got their good pictures and of course. You know, it, inspi- it in, and it and it will inspire everybody to play on.
1: Yes. Right. So that that sets um, the tone for the day. Exactly,
0: exactly. And so that golf event was that immediately after recovery or were you still in recovery or was that a couple more weeks after recovery? How did that all come about? Or was that sort of a goal for you while you're in recovery to play golf at that tournament? Yeah, that, that was
1: definitely, um, a goal for me while in recovery. Uh, I, I definitely, I I shared my, my goals with, I had a really good relationship with my, my physio staff at the West park. Um, Mm -hmm center and, and those were some of the goals I shared. So kind, they kind of got around the hospital and, and I mean, the following summer, like I, I was in re rehab until probably from, I would say from August till January. So, mm-hmm. you know, the following summer they, they reached out to me and I was like, yeah, this is a chance to put my skills to the test. Everything I've been working on over winter.
0: Good and did you need any special prosthetics to sort of get into the game of golf, or were you already set up with what you have? And I know when you are going through recovery and and going back into an active lifestyle, prosthetics change along the way. So were you already set up to sort of with this idea to play golf while you're there, and so set up for prosthetics, and so that you can recover for the full year before playing golf?
1: Yeah, that was um, definitely something. When deciding on what, what feet I was I was going to try and what type of socket um, suspension system I was going to use, um, these were definitely factors that that we took into account when uh, when when picking when picking a device.
0: mm mm-hmm. And actually, you do play more like more sports, other sports as well. So not, golf is not just one of them. I mentioned earlier that you also are in the long drive and there's a Canadian team for long pair long drive. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. So there's the amateur um, long drive championships. And they do, it's, it's actually an individual sport, but they do have an adaptive division. Okay. So any golfers out there looking to, you know what? The, the great thing about long drive is you get to hit the ball as far as you want. And you don't have to look for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so th- th- it takes half the fun out of actually being in the course, but it's a good fun. Yeah, it's, a good, it's, it's a good part that you don't have to go back to. Yeah, you
1: get to hit the ball as far as you'd like. And somebody is down down the course to mark your spot. You have to hit onto a grid. I, I don't know the dimensions, but uh, it's prob- it might be 200 yards across. But you hit onto a grid and... And somebody else is down there to find your bar, ball and,
0: and mark your distance. So it's a ton of fun. That's awesome. And I think you went, oh, we, you went and competed last year in the US with this group, yes, correct? That's
1: correct. So I, I qualified for the World Amateur Long Drive Championships, which was held in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, uh, at a, at a be- beautiful golf resort, barefoot golf resort. And I placed. I placed second. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so second in North America. It's, it's, it's pretty cool.
0: So, and, and forgive me for everybody else who, you know, and everybody, like I said, everybody else is sort of not familiar. I didn't know about the amateur pair long drive existed. So how did you find out about this group? And
1: I, you know, every, because I, I mean, I, I guess I'm a, I would call myself an un- unofficial ambassador for, for adaptive sports. So anytime I see um, a, new, a new sport or organi- organization um, coming out, I always, I always send an email or, or send a text or send a, a direct message in, in Instagram and say, hey, do you guys have an adaptive division? And if not, how can we work, work towards getting, getting that? Right. So, um, because this was this, this, uh, amateur long drive is between this, the United States and Canada, they do have, I, I feel like the United States is, is more aware of, um, you know, they have a lot of military that were injured, you know, in right. their early 2000s. So they are starting to, uh, implement adaptive, uh, divisions in a, in a lot of their sports. Um, so they did have an adaptive division, which was helpful, and I was, I was all about it. So I, cool. uh, I, I put my name in, and then I went out there and did my best, and I ended up qualifying.
0: Wow, that's that's really good to hear. I mean, again, you mentioned this about having sports-driven mindset, even in the beginning, and that really helped you a lot with your recovery and getting up and going to the gym. And you know, the things you needed to do to get better without complaining about the weight is too much or this is too painful today. Yeah. We always say as athletes, no pain, no gain. And, and I think we take that in as going, no, this pain that I'm having right now will pay off. Yeah. Considering of course, being safe about it, but you know, just had that disclaimer, but we know yeah. that there's work to be done in order to get to where we need it to be as athletes. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a really good thing to have in, in your mind to, to go into this recovery. Now we you also are in the paracanoe. So explain to me in our previous conversations about the paracanoe, paracayak. So did you want to just expand on the the difference between the two? Because you are in that as well. And actually, earlier this year, which I'll go back to uh, in a later conversation in this interview because you made the team this year or you're being nominated to make the, the qualifying team for Tokyo but we'll go back to that but explain to everybody what um, the, the difference between the paracanoe and the paracayak
1: okay so uh, there, there are two types of boats uh, under the category paracanoe there, there is a, um, a, str- a kayak where you're using a two blade paddle and um there, there's no um so how it starts is they do they do a classification I, I think it's to do with how many moving moving joints you have so it's a point mm-hmm. system you gain points for every joint that you're able to move and that would put you in there's three levels it's um k1 k2 k3 the least able which would is usually spinal cord uh, mid to high spinal cord injury. That's a K one. K two might be spinal cord around the waist, uh, around the waistline, and then K three is usually. Oh, sorry. So in K two, you might see uh, a an A K, uh, one one A K one B K. Like there, there's guys out there that are A K. Different and BK. combinations. Right. Yeah, combination. And then majority of the K threes, which is the highest ability, are Blowney amputees, single and double uh, baloney. So that's how they break up the cl- the categories. And then um, in a kayak, you are in you're using a two blade paddle and you're doing the the kayak motion. And then for the canoe, it's got a ama on the side, so a floating device, mm-hmm. kind of like the offshore. Um, canoe boats you would see sometimes you know you'd see them off offshore in, in the ocean like an ocean kayak. Right. and you've got a one blade paddle where you're doing uh the canoe stroke right and um
0: that and that's is, on the one-sided canoe like rowing yes that's you, like the two yeah. ways just the one one direction yeah. Okay, your, your majority
1: you you make a stroke on the other side but majority of your strokes are on one side the other the when you when you uh, paddle on the other side It's usually just for like a correction stroke for uh, direction.
0: Right, just straighten out your boat. yeah.
1: Yeah, but majority of the time you're just uh, paddling on the one side with a flotation device offset to help with balance. Um, I Most of the athletes that are doing the vaha have uh, a spinal cord injury where they're not able to... Um, they, they have minimal core function, so they're not able to stabilize a, a kayak boat because it, it's, it's too unstable.
0: Right. Now, does Canada send both kayak and canoe to the Olympics?
1: Yes. Uh, this year, we, we, they have one female, one female in the pair who's already qualified for Tokyo, and we still have a few more pending. Um, I mean, due to covid Everything has been pushed back. So right. next, next year will be very tight for the remaining
0: athletes that are trying to qualify for Tokyo. I was going to go back to that. So I believe around February, I saw your name come out to be nominated to train for Tokyo or to qualify for Tokyo. And you yeah. were supposed to go to the U.S. for this classification, qualification to Tokyo. Take us through that.
1: Okay. So for that, I was nominated to Team Ontario. Okay, that was a Team Ontario nomination, which would allow me to go to Florida, to uh, where we would be in a training camp for three three weeks to a month, and from there, that would that would allow me to uh, take my shot at the national team trials. So that would allow me to race at a, um, the trials race, which. Is a qualification if i could qualify for that then i would maybe qualify for an an international event Mm -hmm. and how i how i placed an international event would uh give me the opportunity to uh qualify for tokyo
0: so what did you feel or how did you feel i guess when the tokyo was all of a sudden we're gonna wait and then two weeks later it's like no we're postponing till 2021 maybe yeah. what how did that go down for you
1: so for me it was it was pretty disappointing um this i so I, i've been doing kayak. this would be my third year doing uh para para kayak and mm-hmm. especially in adaptive sports there are so many little modifications and tweaks uh that you need to make to equipment and it's all personal and, it, and sometimes it takes longer than you would like. So my first year, I made big gains in the boat. And, and, then, you know, and then my second year, I kind of plateaued a little bit. And some of my equipment just wasn't right. So I kind of needed to take a step back and just sit there. And I have my little notepad where I, do, I doodle. And I mean, I, I think that I'm a pretty handy guy. So I, I kind of sat on it over the winter. And I finally drew and engineered um, a contraption that was going to help me be more connected to the boat, so like I would waste, I would waste less energy trying to stabilize the boat, and I could focus more on putting power to the water. Right. I finally, I finally. So for me, it was it was pretty disappointing. Um, this, I so I I've been doing kayak. This would be my third year doing uh, para para kayak, and. Mm-hmm especially in adaptive sports, there are so many little modifications and tweaks uh, that you need to make to equipment. And it's all personal. And, it, and sometimes it takes longer than you would like. So my first year, I made big gains in the boat. And, and, then, I, you know, and then my second year, I kind of plateaued a little bit. And some of my equipment just wasn't right. So I kind of needed to take a step back and just sit there and I have my little notepad where I, do, I doodle and I mean, I, I think that I'm a pretty handy guy. So I, I kind of sat on it f- over the winter and I finally drew and engineered a contraption that was going to help me be more connected to the boat. So like I would waste, I would waste less energy trying to stabilize the boat and I could focus more on putting power to the water. Right. I finally, I finally drew it up. I found a, you know, a welder in my community that could fab this up. I, I worked with my, my prosthetics team uh, and, the, you know, they helped me. We, we did this all over the winter. So I was ready to get on the water and, and put this new, new modification to work and uh, loaded up my boat on the trailer, which was ready to go to Florida. My boat actually went to Florida and I was going to be leaving, like, in two days. And I I usually drive down because I like to have a vehicle down there. And this year it was going to be split. The camp was going to be split between Florida and and then we would head up to Georgia for the national team trials. And I was, you know, getting my bags packed and ready and all my equipment. And uh, two days before heading to the border, the trip's been canceled. That was the
0: same for me. I was two days before my flight to Florida for mine, for athletics, and... We get that email that said, you're not going to Florida. Have you gone back to training with the team or do you... So I guess my question is, throughout the COVID shutdown or lockdown, if you will, what was training like for you then in the paracayak, paracanoe world? Are you able to go out on your own? And then are you, can you train with the team now with the faces opened up?
1: Yeah. Um, so for well, well, when COVID first hit there was no training. Um, the reason why we train in warm climate, because the the waters here are, are way too cold and 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 way too dangerous to be training. Um, so it was, it was a welcome break, good for recovery. I, I was just weight training. Um, I've got a, a decent weight set up in my, in, at my home. So I was, I was just training and just staying in shape and doing a little bit of cardio, but, for me, it, it's a little bit hard to set, set goals when we don't know what, when or where things will open back up. So, Right. Um, I, do, I do have two, two young kids who also don't have, didn't have childcare. So first priority, family. Right. We deal with family, keep family safe. And then, um, you know, we can worry about sport and all that stuff after the fact.
0: Right. Now, are you looking at competitions again, maybe in the new year?
1: Yeah, they, it looks like there will be for, for canoe, they are actually worried about. So the first worry was when we're on the water, there's a safety boat. If someone is to fall in the water and they have to rescue them, then the social distance, social distancing goes out the window. So they had to make sure that they could safely monitor people on the water while keeping the social distancing.
0: Right.
1: I think within the last three weeks, um, they've set up a program. They've they've figured out what they would do, and they set up a program to return paddlers to water where they started with um, able-bodied athletes, tested that to see how that would go, and then they would add adaptive athletes – And uh, so para-athletes and Special Olympics athletes because some of us require a little bit extra help to get in the boat or get out of the boat or, you know, just making adjustments on the water. So I think just about all the athletes um, have returned to the water. We are taking a little bit of a slower approach than we would be at this time. Usually we'd be full into competition training you know multiple days a week but we've kind of taken it back and kind of count back from tokyo 2021 and just make sure that we are you know getting there and climaxing at the right time you don't want to be at your top and you're still waiting for
0: competition to say hey we're doing this right and then start so, over with training at that point that's going to be a lot of lost time yes. during during that so but that's, yeah, to me, that's, that's very interesting with the para-canoe and para-kayak. I have tried the sport as well. But again, not every sport is for everybody, right? That's It's right. just not the sport for me. I'm happy with my athletics and, and golf, yeah. and that's yeah. good enough for now. So it keeps me physically active, so, which is a good thing. Now, of course, we can't leave t- without talking about your Canadian record for para-powerlifting, which was, again, I, this was 2020 when that happened as well. Was it at the end of 2019? Yes. No, uh, March 2020. Right. So I feel like everything is happening at the very beginning of the year. And then yeah. we all took a dive of. Yeah. So, so t- talk us a... through that and talk us through how you got into the sport. I know you, you, like you said, you've been a, an athlete from the very beginning. And, and if you guys can see Eddie, like he's, you know, he's, he's built. So, and if you can see a picture of him, there's, there's, there's weights around him. So he's, you know, he's a lifter by definition, I think, just looking at him. But how did you get into the powerlifting now? Was it it's the same as, I know I powerlifted before, I looked to a pair of powerlift, and I got on and, and talk us through that process. Because I sometimes, and I've reached out to you as well about how do I get this guy started on powerlifting? So take, us, take our listeners through that process.
1: Yeah, so um, my first i guess interest in in para powerlifting because it ha, it's not it's probably the least popular um para sport there there might be there's there's less than you know one hand like i i know of four powerlifters in in all of canada para powerlifters i was at a winter training camp for canoe kayak and a lot of this uh, strength training in, in canoe kayak is, is push and pull. So either it's a roll to test your back strength or a push to test your, uh, your, your chest strength and your shoulder strength. And I was, I was just flying through the weights and one of the athletes who was new to kayak said, hey, you know, I, the athlete's name is uh, Jake Beaton. He's a, he's a Canadian powerlifter. And he said, you know, there's a pair of powerlifting team and uh, so I, you know, that night when I got home, I started doing my research, and on the Canadian Para website, uh, they had a coach uh, listed, and then I sent all the emails and back and forth, and I ended up discovering he he lives ten minutes down the street from me, the coach. So mm-hmm. he said, "Hey, come out, and you know, we'll put you through the we'll put you through the run, and we'll see uh, what we can do here." So I think we decided uh, early in the program that we were gonna push and see how far this can take us so i trained for a bit and uh my first competition was just the local one uh in the durham area and you know it's and it's one of those things and you're you're new to it it's just like stepping up on the t-block you have to go out there and you have to perform under pressure and there's three there's three judges watching you to make sure you do the correct commands and uh i did well there and then we just continue to push so i set a record at at my first provincial championships and my coach and I just, we spoke about it and they said, okay, Canadian nationals is coming up. Let's see if we can, um, if we can push to set the Canadian, another Canadian record. So that's from, for the next four years, that's just my goal is to just keep continu- continuing to improve on my record. And, um, yeah, so my current record is it's, I think it's three hundred three hundred fifty two 352 pounds. Wow. It, is the, is the Canadian national record, and, I, and that's the one that I
0: hold. So, uh, Wow, we've got a Canadian record holder right here. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Eddie, and, and I, I just see you at the golf course like, hey, Eddie, yeah. didn't realize you're, a, no, I knew you were a Canadian Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, I have another, uh, my, my other record is for, so I, I participated in uh, the World Long Drive Cup in, in Mesquite, Nevada last year, last year May, 2019, right. May. And uh, I set the Canadian, as a Canadian athlete, I I hit the longest uh, 347-yard drive. So, yeah, I've got a couple
0: of records under my belt, and uh, we're just going to continue to improve on those. Wow, definitely would love to see you up on the podium. Now, is powerlifting in the, would it be in the Tokyo as well? Yes. Right, so everything was really just against you for 2020 in Tokyo. But, hey, there's 2021. So right. if you got carded for kayak, do you need to get carded for yeah, para, para power lifting? So that's
1: something that they like Paralympics Canada is working on because in able body it's not as common but in para it is it is common to uh, for athletes to be multi-athletes um, multi-sport athletes. Right. So, so yeah, usually you have to pick one sport.
0: Yeah. So I think for our listeners who may not be aware, you need to be carted in order to compete at the at these sports and these levels. So to what Eddie is saying is that you, most able-bodied athletes only qualify for one or only try to get carted for one. Yeah. And so for you, you can get carted for para canoe, para kayak, and the para, para powerlifting. Yeah. Correct. And eventually, so,
1: eventually, I mean. Para Para Golf is is just around the corner, and there's a lot of talks about Agreed. Para Golf. So, I mean, I I was on I for 2020. I was on the fence for powerlifting and for for kayak. We'll see what happens in 2021, but I'm just gonna train as hard as I can and and see where it takes me.
0: Right. No, I think that's 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 great. Again, I can't wait to see you up on the podium, man. You yeah. know. Full support. And actually just looking at... So Eddie has a shirt. Do you want to tell yeah. us about your shirt? It's, uh, it's, it's his logo. And I've seen this logo before. And it's I'm going to describe it. So it's him powerlifting with a paddle on one hand. And is that a golf club on the other? Golf club on the other. The, right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with this logo. I mean, you do play a lot of sports. So yeah. there is that. But
1: So I was again my my book you'll (laughs) if you hang around me long enough you'll see my my black book and uh i just write my ideas in there and just notes and um this was something that i was working on because (laughs) at the end i think my wife was getting you know tired of being my my spokesperson and she says you need to have a presence on uh on social media so people because a lot of people ask her oh what's i doing now what's i doing now Oh, well, he plays three sports and he's all over the country and he's all, you know, all over North America. So she said, you need to have a presence on uh, social media. So I, I, over the winter of 2019, I, I started to uh, sketch up what I thought my logo should look like. Yeah. And then uh, I have a friend who does graphic design and I, I showed him and he said, hey, you know what? Just give me, give me a little second and give me some time to work on it. And just help me make it so that it could transfer the clothing, you know, because mm-hmm. what you have in your head doesn't always transfer well to clothing. So we just had to clean it up a little bit. But uh, yeah, this is, this is what we came up with for the Eddie Two Sticks logo. And right. uh, so it's, yeah, it's, an a, it's a para-athlete with prosthetics, bench pressing, a, a barbell with a paddle on one side and a
0: golf club on the other. So. Right. It took me a second to. I was like, "Is that a hockey stick?" No, he doesn't play hockey, mm-hmm. so <laughs> it had to be a golf club. There. Um, let's talk family a little bit. You brought up, you brought your wife, and she, like you know, to your point, she's been your spokesperson. So you have a social, you know, a social media manager, but now you you manage your own social media. I know. And you also have two kids at home that you talked about earlier. So, how is that like? Tell you know, talk to us about how. Now, did you have kids when you had your accident or this was no. after? Because they're just toddlers. And so, so yeah. what was, what's it like to be a dad chasing two boys, right? Yes, two boys. Yeah, uh, and they're at that age of clang-clang, pots yes. and pans.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, so my wife was pregnant during my accident um, in 2016. So my 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 first son uh, Eric came came soon after. So I was still going through recovery. My son was born, like mm-hmm. so, just a lot going on. Um, but it was also it, it was it was motivation for me to work hard because you know I wanted to chase my son around, run around, and play, and you right. know, be around for my son, my kids to grow up. So I've got a son. I've got uh, a three and a half year old and a one and a half year old. So very young, very active, and uh, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely tiring. (laughs) (laughs) I was
0: going to say a full house, as it were, with you training and then the kids being home at this time. I can't imagine what your day would be like as soon as you get up and trying to put all the training and the sports times to play. Because I'm pretty sure you play golf sometime during the week you got to get that in there right yeah um, even if it's just to the driving range or actually a full 18 holes of golf so i can't imagine what your day must be like packed with all that stuff but you somehow make it work
1: yeah that put it this way i i don't have a problem falling asleep at night <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> now you talked about adapting your boat in yeah. what way in what capacity are they or can they adjust your boat or modify your boat? Is it also adaptation of the prosthetics you're wearing? So describe for us your setup for either your everyday prosthetics and you know when yeah. you're doing your sport.
1: Yeah. So, so I've I've been on prosthetics since 2016. Yeah. I've tried, I've tried it, almost every system, and. I've I most of I, I've had two feet. I've used the XC rotate, which has got that ball to allow for extra rotation, and now I'm on the uh, the Fueler, uh, All Pro. Mm-hmm. So my my prosth- we we worked. I, I used liners a lot and sleeves, but because of how active I am, I would just constantly blow like put holes in them, holes holes holes, and you know from sports to. Being on my knees with the kids, all that type of stuff. Like it, it just became really costly to continually replace those, those liners and the sleeves. Yeah. So I've switched to, I'm, I'm now on pin, which is not common for a very, for very short. I'm very short on both sides, but below below knee, I'm a below knee on both sides. So it's not common to wear pin, but my, my team, uh, they, they have a fitment where they can um, get a, a really intimate fit for knees. Mm-hmm. And this is something we've worked on for the last year and a half. But So I'm on pin system now, which is good because when I transfer to my boat, I have actually two test sockets in my boat that I can just clip right into. So I'm, I'm never struggling for suction or for... Um,
0: now, I'm trying to picture your boat because I also have kayak. Yeah. But I take my prosthetics off and go in with just my liner. Are you saying those temporary check sockets are attached to the boat? Yes. Okay. So I, I will explain. <laughs> okay. Yes. Please I will
1: go on. I go. Okay. So, okay. So if you're leisurely kayaking, it's, it's not a big deal if you're not connected to the boat. In kayak, there's usually, there's something called a footboard, which you press off of to get the torque from your your core. So able body athletes would be pushing against that and they'd get the torque from here and they'd pull with their lats and their obliques. For amputees, we're not able to generate that power from a push because we're missing our legs. So I needed to develop a way to be connected to my boat so that i so i wasn't uh losing power into into mid you know into the midair and uh so i've attached i've attached two sockets to the boat with a swivel socket so i can get the full range of motion and i just clip into it i i've actually put extended pins in there so if i do if i do capsize i'm able to just reach down and and push my pins uh release and i can get out the boat no problem. I've tested it. Don't worry. <laughs> I, okay. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to, uh, my fam- my, uh, in-laws have a cottage, so I've tested in the water. If I fall in, I'm, I'm okay to get out. Um, this is something I would, I would talk about when you're getting into a new sport, it, you know, you got to try, don't be afraid to try a bunch of different setups because it honestly, it takes, it takes years, whether it's, uh the type of strap you use or the type of seat that you're using in your you know it could be in your wheelchair it could be in a, in a boat you know there's all there's all. it could be a bungee strap because it has a little bit of give and you can you know you can kind of lean over or it could be like a really hard like, like a nylon strap that really snugs you in you you need to try everything because you might be leaving seconds on the table right so right I, I, I've, tried, I've tried a bunch of different things where I've, I've made these f- almost uh, foot molds and I, I would stick my foot into it. I've, I've gone to putting a very powerful Velcro on the bottom of my prosthetics so that I could connect to the board. And then my latest is actually uh, welding prosthetics to the footboard so that I could uh, not be losing my power input.
0: Wow, I think you should be trademarking that or. or. I know.
1: I know. I, I, as much as I like to help, uh, I think that, I mean, this is something that for the future maybe we can develop and make it easier because unfortunately, when it comes to adapting boats, a lot of athletes just stray away from it because they've been told that it's really expensive and it doesn't have to be expensive. A couple hundred dollars worth it uh, compared to. Five or $6,000 is what I've heard people have paid.
0: Right. I think that's just genius though, because, so I've ridden the Viper. So that's the skinniest, you know, if you don't know what the Viper is, it's the skinniest boat you could really think of. And it's hugging almost your waist. But as an amputee, you only have your waist, for me anyway, as a double below. My waist and my thighs literally fit in there, but there's still room once you're in the boat. At the top, it appears as though I'm connected to it. But I'm not. So what we were using were pool noodles. If my legs were attached to the boat, then I'll have better rowing capabilities and probably faster response times because I'm not only balancing myself on these pool noodles and the boat, I know I'm secure on the boat.
1: Yes. So So it's a lot of wasted energy that you're using just to, you know, you're squeezing your butt to try and stay connected to the boat and you're using your cord to try and stabilize the boat. So if you can right. uh, remove one of those, uh, you know, remove one of those one of those factors, then you can actually put more energy into moving the boat. So
0: that's actually one of my frustrations. That's why I'm looking at you with yeah. these wide eyes right now because that was one of my frustrations when I was riding the Viper. I'm I'm saying to myself, this cannot have this much effort to do this. Okay, as an athlete, you know, I know that it takes a lot of effort. So for us yeah. to say that. But you know what I'm saying? is yes, that I agree. There's got to be another way for this boat that I don't have to control it with both my butt and my upper body and row at the same time and try to balance and fight off the force of the water. Yeah. It just seems to be too much yeah. thinking to be doing what I need to be doing to compete in that. So I... I'm There's having a, a light bulb yeah. moment. I have put a lot of time into
1: uh, thinking. Like I've I've driven home from Florida. Uh, I think it was 2019. Driving home from Florida, we drew it up. I found a you know a welder in my community that could fab this up. I, I worked with my my prosthetics team. Right. Know, knowing that I knowing that I could get more out of my boat and like 24 hours straight, I drove home. And I'm just, in my head, I'm just thinking about how can, I, how can I improve on this? How can I improve on this? And it took me, I would say, six months and it, you know, to really draw it up and say, okay, I think this is what I need to do. And you have to, you have to factor in, you still need to keep the boat lightweight. Correct. You still need to make it safe to exit the boat because these boats have, I would say, zero stability. I I would compare the the sprint kayaks, I would say, are the same stability as trying to to balance a bike with your feet up and not pedaling. Yes. (laughs) It's it's the same.
0: There's zero stability in those boats. So you need to... um, Even just getting on, I always feel like I know I'm in here. Why do I feel like I'm going to fall in the water? And then when you fall in, you're like, that's kind of it for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just you know, want to go home. I just want to yeah, go home. <laughs> I just I'm done now. I, I can't do this anymore. So you must have a great team with you to come up with that, uh, to to actually implement that. So is that your prosthetist or the 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 team or is that a combination of both?
1: If this was a combination, we we all worked together. There were times when my you know my prosthetist would actually come to my paddle practice. And we are all just kind of bouncing ideas and brainstorming. And it's, it's all about that open conversation um, to get this going because they've created, they've created uh, modifications on other boats that work for that person, but it doesn't work for me. Correct. So it, it's all about being patient and just bouncing ideas. And then, you know, eventually you're going to eliminate that and you're going to say, hey, you know what? Pool noodles don't work. Get rid of them. And but this this has this had some potential. Let's keep this around for a second. Right. So I work I work with uh Kieran, Kieran Bliss at Design Prosthetics. Yeah, they're just in South Whitby and and I've worked them with them for years now and, and we've we've always managed to come up with some amazing ideas. And I mean the the reason why I'm able to do what I do is because my product, my prosthetics work well and we have an open conversation that if it's not working well, I can say, Hey, these suck and they I suck. need to do this. And Hey, these are amazing. Like, let's keep, let's keep doing this. So, right.
0: I think op- that open conversation with prosthetists yeah. with everybody to advocate for yourself really. And I think that's what you're doing is advocating for yourself yeah. in this sport. And so I think that's, that's important to have that open conversation to, to say, and to be able to say to your prosthetist or to ever to whoever you're working with to say, this isn't working. Let's, find another way of making this work.
1: Yeah. There's definitely times when I was not happy with, with my setup and I, you know, it's a, it's a big commitment uh, training yeah. four or five times a week. And, and if you feel like nothing is improving, it's easy to say, Hey, you know what? Let's just, and I've done it. I've, I've said, Hey, you know what? I'm going to take a break because I need to, I need to recalculate and I need to change. Something needs to change. Because this is not working. And, I, and I've, I've taken a break and I've, you know, I say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off. And I just need to brainstorm and make this better. So there's nothing wrong with that either.
0: You no, know, I think that's important for us and other amputees out there to, to realize it is okay to take those breaks, to, to reflect on those times and kind of say, I'm going to take a breather and I'm going to go back to this and work forward instead of getting frustrated and said, that's it, I give up on that. So
1: yeah. Yep, for sure. I, I mean, it, it's, a le- it's a learning curve, especially for new amputees. Like, so I, some, some can be, um, you know, you're not comfortable to do certain things or whatever it is. But, like, I had to learn that if I'm playing golf in 30 degrees, you might, you might need to take your liners off, wipe your legs down, and, you know, at, say at, at, at hole number nine, hey, take your leg off, wipe your leg down, put, put it back on, and you're going to have – like a much better round than you get the whole 13 and 14 and your leg is like sweating and almost falling off. And right. then you, you, you get home and you got a blister. Correct. Now that's affected you for two weeks where if you would have taken the time at hole nine to wipe your leg, you could have played golf the next day if you really wanted to.
0: Right, right. I'm, I've, I've learned that the hard way as well. And that comes yeah. with running too. You know, it's like, yep. I get it that you're going to lose your pace time for running, but you really should, undo your yeah. liners and wipe it down and then run a better pace And the next time that you, you're back on the road to, to continue the run. So we do have those sacrifices that we have to make a little bit to also just yeah. be good at what we do. And, and I think we're really good. We've become good at that yeah. um, as athletes. So that's good. This is great, Edward. Um, thank you for sharing your story with us. Any final thoughts for our listeners and more about you and where can they find you, I guess, more than anything?
1: Uh, so yeah, if you if you're interested and you want to keep up to date with what I what I'm up to, um, you can find me on Instagram at Eddie E D D I E two sticks two to the number two S T I X X, and uh, I do have a I do also have a Facebook page at, with at the same title where I, I kind of just post if I if I've done interviews like say with Todd here or uh, if I've been on any news articles. And and such. Um, I was recently in uh, Thrive Magazine. I've posted that article there, so you can read stuff like that and and just keep up to date. I mean, I'm still a little bit new to social media. I think I've had an Instagram for a year, so I I'm I'm getting better at posting and keeping people up to date. But um, yeah, it should it should get busy soon because everything is starting to pick up.
0: Yeah, I mean, we didn't even touch on that, but that's another thing that you just did recently. Uh, And thank you for reminding me. If you guys have not seen Eddie's picture on instagram you will see him in every good life center i believe across canada (laughs) yes oh that was he's a model for good life fitness so you will see him on posters i have seen you in my gym so there's that and then i also see you on tv and on pictures on the streets so
1: yeah that's eddie everybody yeah i was getting um from from athletes i've met at sports competitions all over canada I was getting direct messages. Hey, I saw you at my, uh, a big mural at a hockey rink. Like I was, uh, you know, it was amazing. And it was, it was such a, it was such a awesome learning experience because I'd, I'd never been on a set like that. And um, yeah, Yeah. so it was, it was a great experience to work with good life in that. uh, Also promoting adaptive athletes in the gym and. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good. I mean, that's representation right there. So, Oh, definitely thank you for that so again what a really a comeback story for you man I'm really excited to to have you on and and you and I have been on the course before and and we'll be going out again soon so I want to thank Eddie for chatting with me today and sharing his story of resilience and athleticism really I can't wait to see you on the podium like I said before and a round of golf with you soon so I want to thank our listeners for tuning in if you have any comments questions and show ideas please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram, The Amputee Show. I will share Edward's social media links on my website as well, www.aristaltodomingo.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been The Amputee Show Podcast.